Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Hits Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and this week, uh, doing something a little bit different, I'm actually broadcasting live from Daytona Beach, Florida, as I uh, came out here to uh, check out the Epson Tours Tour Championship, which is, of course, their final event of the season, so all of the young ladies uh, are going to be battling it out this weekend uh, as they pursue their LPGA uh, Tour cards, of course, the top a uh, group of them will earn their cards, and then the others will will uh, battle out for uh, uh, some status, but not certainly full status. But I think it's the top ten, if I'm not mistaken, uh, automatically get full status out into the LPJ Tour. So uh, all of those that are getting close to the cut mark uh, are going to be battling it out this weekend uh, as they, again, try to um, see if they can get into that top ten spot. And those, of course, that don't will have a chance to go to uh, through the qualification or Q series, which of course the LPGA's qualifying uh, series, in order to earn a spot that way. So um, much luck to all the ladies this week. I'm going to be checking out some of the tournament and doing some other things as well this week, and so I'm really excited to be here. Uh, and I'm excited for all of you to join me this week as well. All right, uh, I'm going to be joined as a mentioned or as it mentioned here uh, by the Coaches Corner panel. I'll introduce them in just a moment. And a little bit later on in the broadcast, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest, Kelly Paragoy. He is the president of Kelkin Enterprises. Uh, he's been on the show before, and he's going to be talking about uh, a few things on tonight's show, uh, particularly uh, his new incinerator uh, golf ball, uh, guaranteed to help with your slice and or your uh, hook. So we'll talk to him a little bit about that. I think he's got a few other surprises, too, he's going to be sharing with the audience tonight, so I hope you'll tune in. All right, let me introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. First up, of course, is Pete Buchanan. He's uh, been teaching golf now for 30-plus years. Uh, He's the founder and director of instruction of Plain Simple Golf LLC, which, of course, houses the Plain Simple Golf Circuit and the Swing, sorry, Simple Swing Repeater Training Brace. Uh, And he's been helping uh, golfers uh, focus on building a repeatable swing and... um, I think you're going to enjoy what he has to talk about tonight. John Decker also uh, is joining up the panel. He's a director of instruction at the Medallion Club in Columbus, Ohio. He's also a senior editor and top 25 instructor at Golf Tips Magazine. Uh, prior to that, he was uh, head instructor at uh, Grand Cypress Golf Academy in Orlando. Uh, back in 2015, he was the Southern Ohio Teacher of the Year and authored the book Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, which of course includes a Bible study and is also available in audiobook form as well. Uh, and he's also a public speaker. So, uh, John and Pete, welcome to Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live. Thanks for joining me. Thank you, Ted. Thanks, Ted. It's good to be here. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a sort of a mixed bag, no pun intended, of a few things. And some of the things we're going to talk about here, first off, 
is really how to handle uh, frustration. Uh, this is an area that obviously uh, many levels um, uh, of golfers uh, battle with. Um, obviously our higher handicappers uh, probably have a little bit more difficulty with handling their frustration. And we're going to talk about a few different things. I'm going to be very specific and uh, I'm going to start in the order that I introduced you and then uh, we'll switch over to uh, uh, the other in a moment. Um, so Pete, I'm going to start with you. So I think that there's a number of strategies. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I think causes a lot of frustration, you get, you know, you get out there and, uh, you know, the, the morning's great, you're with your friends, you know, the birds singing, the sun's shining, all that kind of stuff. And you get out there and the very first shot of the day flies straight and far, unfortunately, goes into the trees and out of bounds to the right. Um, but you think to yourself, hey, no worries. Um, you tell yourself, I'll just tee up another ball, hit a provisional, and you end up duffing that one 10 feet in front of you. All of a sudden, the embarrassment kicks in. Uh, your friends are kind of looking at you a little squirrely, and the frustration starts to, to pick in. Um, one of the first strategies I want to talk about with you is putting golf in perspective. And I think a lot of people tend to put undue pressure so talk a little bit about that. What, is, what, are we ta- what are we talking about when we say sort of put it in perspective? Um, it's, it's a game, of course. We understand that. Some people play at various levels. But let's try to put it in perspective for the golfers. What should they really be focusing on when they're out there uh, in order to sort of eliminate some of the, uh, the, the frustrations that they might be feeling? Well, that's a, a great segment to start off on. I think, you know, most of them, if they could just equate – you know, playing golf and being out on the golf course relative to what they do on a daily basis. I mean, I'm sure they're all pretty good at the jobs or or whatever else they do because they spend a lot of time doing it. They do it on a daily basis. And, you know, they don't spend that much time on golf. So you sort of have to look at the amount of time you're spending on it versus, you know, know, what you normally do uh, for a living. So I I think if, if they can put it into that perspective, I think they'll see that, you know, the frustration level should be a little bit less because, they, you know, they don't spend as much time really working on, on golf as, as they do everything else. I think if they can, can understand that, you know, obviously if you do put more time into it, uh, it's going to get a little bit better. But I, I've, I've always tried to, you know, I used to tease this one gentleman that I, I used to coach. He's a heart surgeon, and he'd get frustrated. And I said, hey, what are you doing next Wednesday? He goes, what do you mean? I, I've got an open heart surgery. He says, ah, let me do it. i got four days to prepare. I think I can get ready to get that done. What do you think? You know, it's just (laughs) sort of getting back into the perspective of, oh, wait a minute, you haven't trained for all that. And I said, man, you haven't trained for all this either. So let's get your your expectation levels down to understanding, you know, what you're actually doing here. But I think also frustration can can mount more when they don't understand what they're doing. Um, I think to me that's where a lot of frustration comes in when you you don't have a, a good understanding of what you're trying to do and then, you know, then you just compound it by, you know, trying a zillion different things to try to get rid of that frustration. But I think if they can put it into perspective as to relative to what they do on a daily basis, I think it can help them to ease some of that frustration. Well said. And, and John, I think that for a lot of golfers, you know, Pete sort of hit it right on the nose, is, you know, how much time are they really preparing? Uh, you know, what are they doing to get ready? Obviously, as he mentioned, you know, they might have a regular job, uh, unless they're retired, of course. Um, but at one point they did have a regular job and they had to do certain things to train and get, get ready for that. Um, so they're willing to put in that time. A lot of people don't do the same thing when it comes to their golf game. They don't spend as much quality time in, in practicing, and it's not just about going out hitting a bunch of balls. It's actually practicing with a purpose. 
The other part, in, which is, comes to strategy number two, so I'm going to uh, bring this uh, entirely different area of the game uh, for, for you to discuss, and this is about being factual about your game. So, for instance, if you're slicing the ball to the right, it talks uh, you know, about self-talk. And so instead of saying something like, you know, I'm horrible with my driver, uh, I'll never be able to hit it uh, straight, be factual um, and, and understand what it is that you're doing wrong. In this particular case, your club face is pointing to the right at impact. So I'll need to check maybe my grip and alignment to make sure that I'm doing things right. So there's a lot of things that go on. People are not always – I'll give you another quick example as well, and then I'm going to let you speak. Um, you know, if you're having trouble, as an example, with maybe your putting and chipping, the last thing you need to be doing is telling you, well, I have a bad short game or I'm not good at any uh, with any of my wedges. Again, be factual. Um, you're not spending a lot of time practicing that part of your game, and that's why you're having that trouble. So, again, I think being uh, doing an honest assessment is probably a great place to start. Give us your thoughts in this area about being factual and maybe give uh, you know, an example of what people can do um, to maybe talk to themselves and get themselves in a better frame of mind, because I think that has a lot to do with frustration as well. It's not just the physical part of the game. Go ahead. Well, you're exactly right, and Ted, thank you again for having us on the show. And Pete, I look forward to being on with you tonight as always. Um, you know, the, the thing that you want to understand about when you hit a poor shot in golf, and everyone at every level hits poor shot, is the first thing that you have to tell yourself is, I have an opportunity. I have a recovery opportunity, or I have a bunker opportunity, or I have an opportunity to get the ball out of the trees. You have to turn the negative into a positive from a frame from the from your mental standpoint. Otherwise, you will drive yourself crazy on the golf course because it's uh, you're going to have bad things happen to you. You're going to hit the ball and it's going to go in a divot, or you're going to hit a shot uh, that goes off into the trees or into the water. And so you have to look at this as an opportunity. So whenever I hit Whenever I miss a green, for example, the first thing I tell myself is I have an opportunity to get it up and down. I have an opportunity to get a one putt. I'm a big believer in statistics. And you talk about knowing, you know, uh, I don't really care if a student hits a ball into the trees. I don't really care that they know that their club face was open two or three degrees. But right. what I do want them to know is, okay, when they get done with their round, I want them to know how many fairways they hit how many greens in regulation they hit, how many putts they had, their up and down percentage, um, their bunker percentage. And it only takes a few minutes at the end of the round to figure that information up. There's a lot of great apps out there uh, for people who are really tech. I like to sit down and, and keep a – I keep actually a spreadsheet when I go play, and I put in every time I go out, even if I go out for five or six holes with a student, um, I'm always charting that stuff because I want to know – uh, really where I'm weak and where I'm strong. And it, the average person, I can't tell you how many times people will come to me during a lesson and they'll say to me, I played horrible yesterday. And, well, mm -hmm. as a teacher, you know, I don't have that, you know, they're paying me by the hour or the half hour. I don't have time to ask them like a million questions and, and, and take up their lesson time. You know, they need to come to me. And I say, when you come to me, I want you to tell me, okay, I played poorly uh, yesterday. Uh, because I, you know, had five penalty shots or three penalty shots and I had 40 putts or something like that. I want to know more specifics so that I can do a better job as a teacher. Uh, the more information they can give me about their round, the, more, the better I can do at tailoring the lesson to what they need to work on. And you always want to work on your weakness. You don't want to work on what you're doing well. If you're driving the ball well, we don't need to work on your driver. We need to work on what you're not doing well. So 
for the listeners out there, keep statistics. It's real simple to do. Um, and, and once you have an idea and start looking at it objectively, you need to look at your round objectively, just like you look at your bank account and your budget objectively. You need to look at your round of golf objectively, and it's all numbers. And the numbers will always point to what you're good at and what you're not good at. And then whatever you're not good at, go work on that, and that's how you become a better player. Yeah, well said, uh, John. And and you're exactly right. I think that a a lot of people need to really understand everything about their game, Uh, you know, what, what they're doing, what areas of their game they're good at, what areas of their game they're not so good at. And by keeping those statistics and, and that information, gathering that information, and it takes really very little time. There's actually a lot of great apps out in the market right now that can, you can actually do that uh, relatively easily without having to um, spend a lot of time and, you know, jotting things down. A lot of apps can, can provide you uh, with certain statistics um, and, and get that information. And a lot of programs out there as well will actually even allow you, if you're coordinating with your, your coach or your swing instructor, if you're working with somebody on a regular basis, uh, you can actually do that online and actually have that information sent to them automatically after your round so they can see that. And uh, the next time you're going to your lesson, they've already had a, a chance to review uh, what's going on that, that particular time. Uh, so there's a lot of great information that you, you put in there, and you're exactly right. I think the more information that they know and can bring to us as instructors, the better prepared we can be uh, to a- address and attack some of those areas that they're having difficulties with. Um, Pete, I'm going to come back to you, and, and another strategy here is really uh, is, is essentially being neutral or positive um, about, uh, again, your game. Um, a lot of times people have a very strong negative reaction uh, you know, to a specific shot, and it gets very well deeply ingrained into their memory. So, you know, for instance, they're, they're dragging up past shots, not just from earlier in the round, but sometimes several rounds ago, and even if they're having a consistent area of their game, as John pointed out, maybe, there's a, maybe their chipping isn't very good or their putting's not really good. As soon as they get faced with that scenario, they're now all of a sudden saying, well, you know, I'm, not, I'm kind of sketchy with my putting, so I'm not expecting a very good result here, and they've already set themselves up for failure. So I like to personally, I think they need to either be re- neutral, uh, meaning not really you know, saying anything negative, and if you don't, can't think of anything positive, say just don't say anything at all. But I think, again, it all boils down to the mindset of the golfer, um, sort of putting those bad shots behind you and then at the same time really appreciating the good shots. So give us a, just a little bit of an overview of, of what I'm talking about here and how give maybe some specific things on what people can do um, to be able to help that a little bit. Well, I think, you know, you know, golf can be frustrating. You know, um, you know, it's such a, it, it is such a mind game and a mindset to it. But I think if they can always look at every situation they come up to, what am I up against? And what's, what's my best way to take care of this? Um, so you're always looking for a situation, but then how can I get myself back to where I need to be in, in a simple uh, positive way to make it work. So instead of dwelling on what just happened, let's look at, you know, okay, well, here we're, here's where I'm at. You know, what's the situation? Um, you know, what am I up against? Am I, am I chipping? How far am I going to fly it? How far am I going to run it? So I think if they always get themselves into a mindset of trying to, trying to understand what they're trying to do next, it will, it will ease the time that they spend, you know, dwelling on what just happened. Um, 
Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, you know, obviously when you, when you hit bad shots, it's it's frustrating and, it, and it's easy to get negative. But I think more, you know, like you're saying, if, if you can keep yourself neutral at least all the way through, um, you know, and just try to try to always, you know, stay positive in what you're trying to do. Um, that's a tough one to answer. I mean, because there's, you know, you can say just just be positive, and, and that's that's not really all there is to it. I think if you can have um, you know, I did this with one of my juniors the other day, um, you know, hit a shot that was, was offline, and I said, okay, well, time out. I said, what do we have to do next? What's our next shot? What's our best approach from here in order for us to be able to make a par on this hole? What do we need to do next? So I want you to look at the situation and tell me how you're going to play this. I want you to verbally tell me what's going to happen. And so we kept doing that for about three or four holes, and all of a sudden, you know, the, the negative side wasn't there anymore because he was always trying to look at what's, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And, you know, not dwelling really on what just happened. So I think, you know, that's kind of a way you can go about it um, and just, mm -hmm. you know, try to try to look at what the next step's going to be. And, okay, well, yeah, I hit a bad one, but uh, I got work to do. I got, I got another objective here. So let's move on and uh, let's hit the next one. Well said, and, and you're right, it is a difficult thing to answer because, again, everybody is different. Here's a couple of things that I've done in the past that I think have been proven to be very successful, certainly with students I've worked with. One of the things I do, and, and I'm going to talk about first off on, on the golf course uh, with general shots. We'll talk about the putting for a second, but uh, in a second. But, you know, everybody generally has a club. Uh, or a shot in the bag, as it were. Most people do. Certainly not everybody, but certainly anybody that's played for a while. So maybe it's their seven, their trusty seven iron. You know, maybe it's a, an eight iron. Uh, maybe it's even their hybrid club. Uh, so what I always say to people, if you're faced with a shot, let's say for argument's sake you've got, um, you know, 230 yards to the green. Maybe there's some water. There's bunkers in front, and you don't feel confident you're going to make it to the green. So what I'll say is, and rather than pulling out that three wood that you're not that comfortable with, why not find out what or figure out what your yardage is that you're comfortable hitting a wedge shot into the green and play to that yardage. So if it's 100 yards, instead of uh, hitting, trying to hit a 230-yard shot, pull out the club that's going to best get you 130 yards up into the, into the fairway to that 100-yard or 95, whatever it happens to be, position. So, yeah, you're going to take an extra shot but you're not likely going to fail because you've, you've taken precautions to say, okay, I know I can hit 130 yards quite confidently. I know I'm going to be able to hit that 100-yard shot uh, approach shot to the green, so I'm going to break the sh the, to 230 into two different shots. And even though it might cost you an extra stroke, it could be far worse if you tried to go for it and ended up in the water or ended up out of bounds or what have you, and then you're in a, a real mess. Same thing with putting. You get on the putting green, maybe you've got a 20, 25-foot leg putt. You're not a great putter or you're not putting well that day. Rather than trying to go for it, um, look at it and say, okay, what length of shot am I confident that I know I can sink? And it might be three-foot putt. Maybe you're pretty good at three-foot putt. So all I need to do is I need to lag my 20, 25-foot uh, putt into that area so that once I get in that area, I know I'm confident I'm going to get it in two. And I think if you, you play in that sort of mindset and in frame of mind, I think you'll find you'll be much more successful and you can talk confidently to yourself about doing things like that as opposed to being faced with difficult shots or being faced with a, a situation that you're not very comfortable with. I think that will help you in the long run. 
And that's some of the things that I've done over the years that have proven to be very successful, certainly for my clients. I don't know whether they've worked for you guys, something similar, but that's what I try to do is I try to make it as comfortable for them as possible um, based on their game rather than taking unnecessary chances. So just some food for thought for you out there, guys out there that are having some difficulty, uh, not sure how to handle a situation, there are some options that you might want to consider. All right, John, I'm going to come back to you, and uh, we're going to talk about videos. Um, this is something that, you know, has been around for a long time, and um, we've all at some point have used video to uh, record our students' shots. And that. Give me an idea of what you're looking at when you're videoing your student. What is it you're looking for? And what is it you want them to see when they're reviewing that video with you? What is it? Um, some of it obviously is going to be similar, and I know you're looking at the same video, but as an instructor, are you looking for something different, um, specifically when you're looking at that video? Um, and what is it that you want your student to particular see? What is it you want to point out? Um, what is it you want other than just watching themselves swing a golf club? Are there any specific things you're, you're trying to get them to key in on? Yes, the first thing with video is um, I, I video with pretty much every lesson I do, but I do it in very small amounts. I always uh, equate the video. I tell the students, it's very much like uh, going to the doctor with a broken bone. It's, this is the x-ray. Okay, I'm going to show you the x-ray of the broken bone. But then after that x-ray, we're going to spend the rest of the lesson on rehabbing and getting you, you know, getting you your arm or leg or whatever fixed, uh, in this case, the golf swing. So one of the things about when I do video is I show them in, within the first 10 to 15 minutes of the lesson after they're warmed up and, and I have an idea what I'm going to work on. I show them the video and then that's it. There's no more going back. Uh, I don't believe in going back every five minutes and looking at every single swing because the student gets too consumed with the visual. I do want them to have mm -hmm. an idea of what it looks like visually, but I don't want them to be consumed with it. After the lesson's over, I email them a recap, and I go through and draw more specific lines. I get much more detailed and then email that video to them after the lesson. Now, what I'm looking for in the video is from the back view, I'm looking at their swing path. I'm looking at their club face angle. From, and, and the back view would be the view where I'm behind them, shooting down the target line toward the target. Uh, I look at their distance from the ball. I look at their posture. I look at their spine angle. Those are the keys I'm looking for. From the front view or the face-on view, where I'm looking more at the golf ball, looking at them from the face view, I'm looking at their ball position. I'm looking at their transition. That's the power side. So the back view is more of your direction. So if you're a student who's really curving the ball to the left or to the right, I'm going to spend a lot of time on the back view because that's going to show the club face angle and the path angle, um, you know, in the video. If, I'm, if you're someone that's struggling with fat and thin shots or ball position uh, or you don't have enough power, like, like students who tell me, you know, I need more distance, I'm going to show them more from the front view because that's more of the power view. So that's what I'm looking for, and that's what I try to get, you know, try to have all my students understand is the video is imp important because I believe video is, is a good tool, but it's only a tool. Just like a launch monitor is a tool, you, it's a tool that you use for a little bit, but you don't use it for the entire lesson because otherwise I think the student gets in their head too much. They don't, they don't, they don't get, uh, you know, the, the tough part is, I mean, anyone can diagnose a problem. Any, any teacher out there can diagnose the problem. The hard part is fixing the problem. That's the hard part. So that's where you want to get them away from the tools and you want to get them to, you know, doing drills and having a better feel of what they're going to be doing in the lesson. 
Yeah, and that really raises an, an interesting point, too, because a lot of times, you know, students are always looking at the wrong things. They're not really focusing on, I mean, maybe they've got, um, as you said, if you're checking the path, that's something you want to see. Are they getting it on a good club, you know, are they getting the club on a good path? Um, those are things that you're looking for, and you want to certainly point those out, and you want to point certain things out. Maybe they're, you know, flaring their arm out a little bit uh, too much, the old chicken wing, as they say, and it's causing, you know, a specific problem in their swing, and you want to point those out. But, yeah, you don't want to dissect the video to a point of nausea because the problem is then they're not really focusing on uh, or isolating specific areas. They're just focusing on the overall uh, swing itself, and a lot of times that just takes up a lot of valuable time. Um, Pete, I want to, sort of carrying along with this video thing, I want to ask you something a little bit different. Um, and this sort of piggybacks onto what John just talked about. You know, a lot of students, um, you know, we try to help them in some way uh, to be able to assess their own game a little bit. Obviously, they're, they're not uh, doing what we do, um, but they're able to understand whether it be through the ball flight, uh, you know, results, the ball flight laws, as we, we call them. Um, are able to understand what it is they're doing if they've been uh, taught uh, those, some of those issues. Um, but how do we prevent them from getting in their own way of, of their own progress? I mean, there's things that we give them to do. Uh, they're watching all kinds of videos online, uh, some from instructors that are certainly uh, qualified and others are just from somebody giving their opinion. So there's, there's a lot of information being fed to the students. And we hear it all the time. They come up and say, well, I was watching this video the other day, or what do you think about that? And we've talked about this many times on the show before, where we're spending a lot of our time in the lesson, you know, not necessarily debunking, but, you know, talking about an issue instead of getting down to the, to the business at hand. So uh, a lot of times students that spend too much time trying to overanalyze everything get in their own way of progress. How can we help them get on a good path Certainly be mindful of things, as John pointed out, of, of certain areas that, that may be giving them uh, you know, some struggles, but not overwhelming them with so information. What can we do to sort of stifle that, that you know, um, student from trying to you know, uh, overanalyze everything and end up uh, paralyzing themselves in the process? Your thoughts? I think when they're looking at the video, you know, one of the things that I try to get them to understand is you know, when we're making specific movements, it's based on, you know, uh, ball flight cause and effect. And it's based mm -hmm. off of, you know, what is the, the quote-unquote, the virus in their swing? What's the issue? Um, so I get them to understand what we're trying to do. And then I, I would look at it and say, now, there's a lot of information out there, but how many of those videos are going to pertain specifically to what you and I are doing right now? Probably mm -hmm. one out of 10,000. So you're better served understanding what we're trying to do here and working on these specific things instead of trying too many outside influences, which are going to push you further away from where we're trying to go. So I try to give them the specific things that I want them to work on. Um, like John, I, I send them a review, email it to them. I have a, a, a program that I use. And so we talk about, you know, until I see you again, here are the specific things I want you to work on. Um, and so trying to steer them into, you know, staying focused on the specific simple things that are going to change for them and what they need to do rather than taking some generic video that's out there, you know, that's probably not going to deal with what they're trying to do anyway. 
So mm-hmm. that's sort of how I try to steer them, you know, from getting too much information. But I also try to make sure that I said keep it pretty simple. I said we're trying to go from A to B. Um, that's it. I want you to go from A to B. We're going to start here at address. We're going to move it to here. So until we get that down, we're not going to C. So let's get A mm-hmm. to B done first, and then we can move on to the next. And I also try to get them to understand that, you know, many, many times when we make a backswing change, now we're going to have to make a downswing change because your old one's not mm-hmm. going to fit what we just did. So there's going to be right. some time we have to go from one to the other. And so if they understand the process, I think then the outside influences that are out there will tend to sort of stay and they won't be trying to, to look for them um, because you can give them a roadmap to where we're going to go, what we're going to do, and, and you know, the, the simple things that I want them to work on until I see them again. Um, and I think video can help that a lot. Um, sometimes when, um, I, you know, when try not to show them too much, but if, if they're starting to make the movements like I want them to make, then I will film it. And I'll say, look, this is what I'm trying to get you to do. Look at the difference. You know, do a comparison. Say, here's where you were, here's where we're going. And, you know, get them to, to see that, well, I did make a change. Um, you know, but just, just something, you know, in that one specific simple thing we're trying to make them to make them change, not necessarily doing an entire swing. But I think if you can if you can get them to understand, you know, what their issue is, what the cause is, um, how it affects the ball flight, and then how to fix it, I think that will help to you know curtail any of the uh, other outside influences and them trying to search for more things to do and uh, just staying with you know what you're trying to get them to do in the first place. Right, um, and I think it's all about control from an instructor standpoint, if we want to be able to control the environment um, and meaning that, you know, we want them to focus on specific things and not just sort of willy-nilly go in, you know, 20 different directions. We want to make sure that we've isolated the, the problems. We're going to give them a solution, and by doing so, we're going to give them certain things to, to, to work on that are going to help overcome some of the, the problems that they've been facing. Um, and I think you have to, you know, you have to be specific and you, you can't just sort of, uh, as you said, you have to sort of go from A to B before you move on to C. John, here's something that, you know, I think from a, from a, a teaching pro, you know, coach's standpoint, there's always something new, um, and I'm not just talking equipment, but there's always something new happening in our industry at any given time. And obviously, you know, uh, our students are becoming a little bit more savvy, especially with uh, the onset of online activity. How do we keep students informed about things that are new that are are uh, not so much new but that are going to be pertinent to what they're doing without overwhelming them? And does it go to what I just said about controlling? Do we control the environment? In other words, do we say, okay, here's some things that you may want to familiarize you with. We'll talk a little bit about it. And then here's something I want you to kind of review or take a look at uh, because it pertains to you know problems that you're having. Um, is that something that's worthwhile doing? Should we be doing that? Because we know that they're going to be surfing around anyways. Is it better for us to sort of control that uh, environment of what's new out there, what, what could help them, um, as opposed to just letting them, you know, do whatever they want or giving them too much information? How do, we, how do we find a balance in that? I guess the question I'm looking for is how do we find a balance in keeping them informed about what's coming up or new that could help them without overwhelming them with too much information. 
Well, that's the, I think the greatest challenge uh, I've seen as an instructor in the last 10 years versus when I first started as an instructor. I've been teaching the game for 25 years, and when I first started, there was no Internet. So there was no, right. uh, you know, I mean, I, literally sometimes I will have students who come in who know more information about a shaft, for example. They've been researching shafts. I mean, there's 10,000 shafts right. out there. And they've been researching right. a specific shaft, and they'll ask me about it, and I don't know what they're talking about because it's a shaft that I haven't even heard of. So uh, it, it can be overwhelming uh, in, from that standpoint. For someone, if you just start, you know, Googling different things uh, in teaching or you go on YouTube or you go on any website, it, it can be overwhelming. Uh, the way I monitor it and the way I, uh, I do it is I, I can't compete against that. I know that the Internet's out there. I know that all those videos are out there. So what I've created is my own website, and I basically have said, mm -hmm. uh, if you go to DeckerGolf.com, I have all of my videos, not all of them, but most of them now, have been put on that website, and over the winter, I'll be putting the rest of them. And I say, I tell my students, if you're going to go watch videos, I want you to go to my website, and I want you to watch my videos, because you're going to be getting a consistent message with the way I'm teaching you. If you start mm -hmm. jumping around and going and watching all these different videos from all these different instructors, um, you're going to be overwhelmed, and you're going to hear a lot of things that are conflicting and different. And uh, unfortunately, that's just going to make you more confused, and, and you're going to have too much information that's not specific for your problem. And, and everyone who comes to an instructor or plays the game, they know they have a problem, they just are not looking at it objectively. They're not looking at their problem objectively. They're trying to figure it out themselves, self-diagnose, and, and try to do these things. And unfortunately, that, that's just a recipe for uh, disaster. And it's just like if something, if I were majorly sick and I didn't know what was wrong with me, I can't go on the Internet and just start saying, well, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. I need to go to a doctor who is a specialist in whatever it is that's wrong with me and have them diagnose the problem and then trust them. And so that's the ultimate thing that we're looking for as an instructor, and, and that's what you're trying to, to gain with your students is that trust that they're going to listen to you and not listen to the 10,000 other voices out there uh, that, that they're watching on the Internet. But it is definitely a struggle, especially for the younger uh, generation. I, I see this all the time with students. Uh, People, they'll, they'll be pulling their videos out, and they're, they're not taking instruction, and they're watching videos off YouTube or, uh, and, and just trying different things out on the driving range. And unfortunately, that, that uh, doesn't always work. Yeah, and that, again, you know, just to clarify, we're not necessarily suggesting that, you know, you know that everybody that's – and I'm talking instructors, legitimate instructors, not just the – you know, the, the ones that want to just put information out there. But there's a lot of good, you know, certified instructors that have their own opinions and own theories and whatnot, and that's fine. Um, but you're exactly right. You raise a really good point is if you're coming to me, or in your case, John Decker, to take a golf lesson, then you need to really focus on the things that I'm teaching uh, or talking about and not mixing it up with two or three other people because, again, they may have a different approach. That doesn't necessarily mean theirs is – uh, wrong and mine's right. Um, it's just different. Obviously, you know, you're, what you're teaching uh, is sound and it works and it's been proven to work, uh, but it might be different than somebody else's. So I think it is important 
Uh, and again, it goes back to what I said. I think you need to control the environment. Now, it doesn't mean that people aren't going to go, and, and you're exactly right. I mean, I, I've had people come up to me um, and, and say, you know, I was reading about or I was, you know, watching this, and what do you think about that? And it might be something that's relatively new or it might be getting into the biomechanics and that. And, I, you know, I'll be quite honest with them and say, I really don't know. You know, I, I, I understand, have an understanding how the body works, but from a scientific standpoint, I don't understand some of the terminology that you're referencing here because I'm not somebody that's qualified in that area. Um, so, you know, it, it is very, very difficult and can be very, very frustrating. Uh, which brings me, Pete, to this point is if we're all uniquely different, which, of course, we are, different shapes and sizes and whatnot, how do you decide what's right for your student? Uh, especially as we just uh, pointed out with so many options, including different swing theories and that. How do you decide what's right for your student? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, for me, um, you know, it's – I'm always going to look at the relationship between the club and the ball. So what's going on at, at impact? You know, how's the face? How's the path? How's the angle? Um you know, we're looking at the, the overall shape of it and how it's creating the shots that they're getting. And so I'm always going to work towards neutral, square, end to end, good angle of attack, you know, getting the swing plane very neutral. Um, those are the things that over the time that I've been teaching this game, which is, I hate to admit, is getting closer to 40 years now than anything else. But um, <laughs> it's... You know, I've taken all that information that you see out on YouTube, and, mm -hmm. and we've I've put it into a mixing machine, and I've tossed out what's not what isn't necessary. So I've mm -hmm. I've just brought it down to the very simple things you need to do in order to get the club and the ball's relationship to behave. Now, I'm going to pretty much look at the golf swing um, in the same similar way with everybody that I see, because the club and the ball only have certain things that need to be done for them to work together. Now I may approach it in a little bit different way, depending on who I have in front of me, because they may be visual. They, you know, you may have to do everything on audio. If you just tell them they can do it, you might have to go in there and grab them and move them. But you know, every one of my lessons is very similar for everybody that I see. And I know there's, there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that say, Oh, well, people are different. You can't do that. And I said, you know, look, I've been doing this a long time a long right. time, and that club and ball only have a few things they can do. They're either going to go one direction or this direction, and everybody can make the motion to put the club and the ball in a very, very simple motion and a very simple direction relative to how it starts to dress to be able to hit consistent shots. And so, you know, I've been doing this for, for you know, a long time now and, and been very successful with it and giving everybody very similar things to do. Uh, you know, I, I might say it a little bit different for one direction or the other because, like I said, people learn differently. So you may have to mm -hmm. verbalize it a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I've always worked on the impact, club face, the, you know, the direction the club's moving. Look at the contact. What's the contact doing to give them the shots that they see? What are they doing to cause that contact? And then from here, here's how we're going to neutralize it. So we're going to work towards neutral because, I, you know, and all the ones that I have, I tell them, I said, if you know, if you can find straight, right and left are easy to find. They're simple mm -hmm. to find if you know where straight is. So let's get to neutral. And then if you need to move some shots around, that's pretty easy to do. But I want you to see what correct is first. And then based on correct, let's go from there. 
So, you know, I think if, if in, in my personal experience, is just looking at the contact first. Um, you know, as I've told you before, I was fortunate to, to stand in, in John Jacobs' pocket for a long time watching him teach. Um, and, you know, just very, very simple stuff based on the club and the ball's contact and, uh, you know, the diagnosis of how to, how to change that and make it better. Yeah, and, and I, you're exactly right, too. I think, you know, experience, uh, you get to learn um, certain things over your, you know, your career, and you get to see what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, you're exactly right from the standpoint, you know, there is only one um, square club face at impact. There's only one, um, you know, way of... of of, of, or sorry, there is multiple ways of getting there um, successfully, as we've seen with many tour players. If you go back over the history, you look at somebody like Elite Trevino uh, and Jim Furyk as an example. You see a Freddie Couples that has a slightly different. But the one thing they all have consistent is the club face is square at impact. So how you arrive at that um, really isn't as important as making sure that it is square at impact if you want to hit the ball straight. Um, and... I think that what happens is people get too caught up in the process and try to overcomplicate things. And I would rather, you know, you know, for instance, as an example, if you're telling somebody, okay, I want you to walk a straight line, um, everybody's going to walk that straight line differently. Some people are going to pull their shoulders back. Some are going to kind of swing their arms a little bit. And some might just walk with their arms, you know, deadlock straight beside. I don't care as long as they're walking that line straight. Now, if making it easier for them involves them moving their arms a little bit and making it more comfortable with their shoulders back, what have you, then that's something I can introduce. But you're, you're exactly right. I want them to be able to walk that straight line first and then work from there. And I think sometimes you know, we see with some of these videos that they're watching is they're getting so technical with so much information and they're not really focusing on the key important areas that are going to help people uh, truly become a better player. Um, John, here's a, a sort of an interesting uh, thing I wanted to ask you, and that is, you know, we, we've all had this scenario or something similar where maybe you, you taught a student, uh, you know, years ago and, uh, you know, fixed their problem, uh, but they come back with the same problem and for some reason the fix no longer works. What do you do in a situation like that? And that, that can happen. Um, I, I have some theories on that. I want to hear what you have to say. But you've worked with a student you know, a few years ago. They had a specific problem. You gave them a solution to it. Obviously seemed to, to work for them. And then suddenly they come back you know, three, four years later and say, hey, John, uh, you know, for some reason I'm still, this is still happening. I've tried that fix we worked on. Uh, for some reason, uh, it's not working right now. What do you do in a case like that? And be as specific as you like. Well, we, we have, um, you know, the thing that I've learned about the human body and I've learned as a teacher and I've learned as a, from teaching this game is that we all have things in our swing that are that um, the flaws that we have that are kind of ingrained. And, and I know there's certain things that I do in my golf swing and certain things I've been working on in my golf swing, and I've been working on them for 20 years. And, um, mm -hmm. and I get them, uh, you know, you're using the term neutral. I get them as close to neutral as possible. But if I, stop, if I get, for example, if I stop playing for a while, if I 
maybe um, just uh, kind of lose focus on what I'm doing or maybe try to think about something else in my swing, all of a sudden they kind of creep back in. And that happens over time, and that's human nature. And there's things that Tiger is working on. You know, Tiger talks about he gets stuck sometimes in the downswing, and you know, that's something that he's worked on for his uh, entire career. And every player has something that will kind of creep back in there. So I think from a the, the, I don't know why. Like if someone comes to me and I and and I work with them and I fix them, and then I don't see them for a couple years, maybe they went and saw another. Maybe they wanted to go and get some other advice, and they went down another path, and maybe they realized that wow, this isn't working a couple years later, or Maybe they're not playing as much golf, um, you know, as they as they were, or maybe they stopped working on it. They think, okay, I've got it, I fixed that, and that's a big mistake that a lot of people make is they think, okay, I fixed that problem, now I don't have to focus on it anymore. I, like I, mm-hmm. when I was working with Bob Sowers on the on the PGA Tour, I worked with him for 12 years, and I said, Bob, I said the flaws that you have in your swing and that we're working on, you're always going to have. You're, it's like being an alcoholic. You're ne- you never stop being an alcoholic. You're always going to be an alcoholic. You're always going to have to pay attention to these these things because they will creep back in, and they usually creep back in under pressure. So we've mm-hmm. got to make sure that we're always working on the drills. We're always, you know, being proactive and never take for granted, okay, I fixed that. I don't have to work on that anymore. You should, you know, <laughs> Nicholas would always start out every session, every year working on his grip and his ball position and his posture. He would work on mm-hmm. the fundamentals every year, even when he was the best player in the world. So you're never good enough to, to just say, well, I've got that fixed. I don't have to work on it anymore. So that's kind of answer your question. I think that's there's a lot of reasons why, but it typically comes back to people stop working on it and they because they think they've got it fixed. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And I think also, too, from another perspective, I think a lot of people don't factor in that our body changes. Um, over time as well. Now, you know, year to year it's not as noticeable, but let's say, you know, if they came to you five years ago and, you know, they were 45 and now they're, you know, 51, six years later they've come to you, um, you know, six years can make a difference in somebody's body. Um, so you have to factor that in as well. Um, you know, some some changes may not be affected, but there are some changes, especially if it's uh, if it's in the, either the backswing or the, or, or the follow-through, uh, body, um, you know, your body changes can affect that. Maybe you've put on extra weight. Maybe your hip, you've had some hip issues uh, in those five, six years uh, that's causing you not to, to shift your weight properly. So, you know, you might have, you know, understood the fix that, that was given to you five, six years ago, but your body's not allowing you to incorporate it into uh, your swing as easily as it once did. You know, you look at, uh, you brought up Nicholas, John, as a good example. I mean, Nicholas had, uh, you know, hip operation. Uh, you watch him swing a golf club now compared to what he used to. Um, there's, a, there's a little bit of a pop in his swing because he can't transfer his weight as smoothly as he once did um, because of that hip. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that can be involved, and you're exactly right. Um, maybe they're not working on uh, the stuff enough. They figure that they've got it cured and they can just sort of move on to the next thing. Well, no, you always have to be working on your game. The best players in the world do, and and uh, we shouldn't think that we shouldn't have to do that either. So um, there's a lot of factors that can play into that, but that's a that's a great answer. Um, Pete, uh, as we get ready to end this uh, Coach's Corner section, I'm going to give you this final question here. And How do you measure your students' progress, and how should they? Um, what For you, what's, what do you consider success 
um, and and what should they be doing, uh, or how should they be monitoring or measuring their progress? What do you say to them to allow them to be able to measure how they feel they're doing? Well, I guess more than anything else in golf, the the indicators of score. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. how are they playing now versus you know when we started? Um, the score is a big indicator of what they're doing, but also, you know, contact-wise, you know, dispersion, um, your overall shots. Are, are you missing more shots, uh, you know, right or left still, or are you starting to find that your patterns are becoming more consistent out in front of you? Uh, contact on the short game shots, um, distance control, putting, you know. I always try to look at each individual area, and say, okay, you know, from putting, here's where we were before, lots of three putts. I said, how's your distance control now? Um, chipping, you know, your your patterns of shots that are getting closer to the hole, pitching, um, you know, contact-wise, trajectory, how are you doing with those? Um, you know, and then the full shots, you know, as far as all of the clubs going, are, are you starting to be able to control the ball more than you did before? Um, so those are the things that, you know, can indicate, you know, the improvement that they're making. It doesn't always, you know, at the beginning equate right to the score because there's so many elements involved in scoring. I mean, you can hit two great shots and four putt, and it's still a six. So, you know, there's there's a lot of things that, that happen in there in, in an overall scoring basis. But, you know, I think the first indicator is um, are they understanding what they're trying to do? I mean, to me, that's a big, big win if I can stand there and say, hey, what are, what are you trying to do? And they can verbalize it back to me. I mean, that's a huge victory for me. So that's that's a great improvement right there. And then when they hit a shot and it's not correct, they're able to, to verbalize right back to me what happened. Uh, that's another victory. So I try to get them to understand the, the strides they're making and being able to understand their, their swing, understand their game, and, and how it's improving so that now when they're out there, they're starting to recognize things that happen and they're able to fix them. I mean, that, that's the great thing. I get texts all the time. I said, boy, it was going sideways. And I remember what you said based on this ball flight. And, I, you know, I, I did this, and, boy, it changed right away, and I got myself back on track. I mean, that's a victory there. I mean, that, that's an improvement. So it doesn't always have to be the score, but, I mean, the score is the big indicator um, in golf because, you know, when you get done playing, what do they ask you? What did you shoot? You know, right. I mean, that's, that's what they want to know. You know, what was your score today? You know, they're not interested. Did you, you know, drive it? you know, far on 14. But um, I think if you can, if you can look at the stages and I always tell my students, I said, just remember this. I remember where you were when we started. So mm-hmm. let's look at where you started and where you are now. There's a big improvement there. So I think it's, it's the overall quality of their shots. Um, but to me, more than anything else, the, the better they understand, you know, what they're supposed to be doing and how to do it, and, and how to correct it when it goes, you know, south, which it's going to go south. We all know that. It happens. It, there's just times mm-hmm. that it, it's not going to work as well as it should. But I think if, if they can begin to understand and, 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 and know what their issues are and know how to begin to fix them, I think that's, you know, a, a big check mark for improvement. And, and as I said, it doesn't necessarily mean that the score is going to be that much better, but their understanding is so much better. But that's going to lead to better scores anyway. But um, – uh, you know, there's many parts to that and how well they're improving and, and, and different things they can do. But, you know, my goal has always been to get my students to understand, you know, cause and effect, why they do what they do, um, what the fix is, and, and how to fix it. 
and be able to do that on their own. So t- to me, that's a that's a win I'm always looking for and improvement I'm always looking for with all my students. Yeah, uh, and well said. Um, you know, I think a lot of players, uh, a lot of our, our uh, high handicap golfers out there, obviously want to shoot better scores ultimately, um, as well as improve in in you know uh, striking the ball, um, you know hitting some better shots and 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 consistency. I think is probably. Um, when it comes to their actual golf swing and, and, and ball striking is they want to be consistent. They want to know that when they pull out that, you know, five, six, or seven iron or they pull their driver out, uh, they don't expect to hit every shot perfectly, but they want to feel confident with that whatever club they've got in, in the bag uh, in, in their hand at that particular time. And obviously they want to get out there and they want to try to improve uh, their scoring. And I think when they start to see that and they start to see some consistency in their ball striking, uh, then they're going to feel better about themselves. If they're not seeing improvement in any areas, then it's very, very difficult to really, as we talked about earlier, to really kind of pump yourself up and be excited about things. And I think that's really what uh, gets people dropping out of this game is the, the level of frustration we talked about earlier. Is And I think part of it is, and we even see this at the professional level, is they get focused so much on the process, on making sure everything, you know, uh, everything gets from point A to point B to point C in such a perfect uh, way that it, it's not, it might look good. I mean, not, there's a lot of players on tour that you can point to that have, you know, picture-perfect golf swings, uh, if you were to call them that, um, but they're not scoring week in, week out. They're not, you know, they're not winning tournaments uh, very often. They've certainly won some but not as often. And there's other players that never win any or very few. Uh, and then there's players that maybe don't have the pitcher-perfect swing, but they're winning lots of golf tournaments or have won lots of golf tournaments over their career. So I, I agree with you. I measure success on, on the results that you're getting out of the golf course and also the level of consistency that you're playing with. Um, and the score will obviously, the more consistent you get, um, certainly will help uh, you know, fall into place on some level as well. But it all becomes part of the strategy as well as how you play and how you address the course. You can be the best ball striker in the world, um, but not necessarily score that great because you don't know how to put it all together. So um, food for thought and uh, some great points that you guys covered tonight. I think, uh, I think the listeners will, will hopefully be able to pull a few nuggets out there. Um, great job, guys. And uh, as always, going to give you both an opportunity to share uh, the best way to reach you uh, to our audience here. So. I'm going to go in different order this time. John, I'm going to give it, uh, you the option to go first and then Pete. Well, first of all, Ted, thank you again for having us on the show. And Pete, as always, I enjoyed being on with you tonight as well. Um, for the listeners out there, um, if you want to get in touch with me, um, the best way to do it is to go to my new website. It's uh, DeckerGolf.com. If you go on the website, I have all my videos on there. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. Instagram, YouTube, or LinkedIn. Uh, if you go under and just put John Decker in, I spell my first name J-O-N, you can find me um, on any of those social media platforms. I'm also, um, as Ted mentioned earlier, a senior editor with Golf Tips Magazine, so I write uh, instructional articles for the magazine, do videos for the magazine, and I have a feature in there, a uh, Christian golf feature called Fairways to Heaven, which is in, an, uh, in the magazine each uh, um, month. And and, uh, Ted, I want to thank you again for allowing me that opportunity. Uh, my book, Golf is My Life, Glorifying God Through the Game, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Walmart.com. And if you're looking for a public speaker, I do a lot of golf outings, church outings, uh, anything along those lines. Uh, or if you're just looking for a speaker, 
um, you know, for a youth group or things, uh, feel free to reach out to me. That's something I do as well. But, again, thank you for having us on the, tonight, Ted. And, uh, Pete, I, once again, I really enjoyed it. Sounds good. Uh, a pleasure, John, as always. Uh, Pete, what about you? Best way that they can reach out to you? Yeah, again, Ted, thanks for having us on. John, it's always a pleasure, you know, being on the show with you. Uh, I really enjoyed the, the segments we do together. You know, they can reach me at PeteBuchananGolf.com. That's the simplest way. Um, all my contact information's out there. And, um, you know, we've got some exciting things that are going to be coming this winter. You know, I, I teach all winter long, and, and um, we, we've got some things that are going to be coming. So hit the website, and we'll, we'll have the news out there of some things we're going to be doing as we get into this winter season to prepare for next year. So, but, again, thanks for, thanks for having us on, Ted. It's always a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you, and I will see you uh, I guess the same time next month. Uh, thanks, guys. Always have a great weekend, and thanks for uh, for joining me and helping me out here on, on Coach's Corner here on Golf Talk Live. Have a great weekend, guys. We'll you see bet. you next time. You too. Thanks, Ted. All right, that was John Decker and Pete Buchanan joining me on the Coach's Corner segment here on uh, Golf Talk Live. Uh, as mentioned, I'm going to be joined here momentarily by my very special guest, uh, Kelly Paragoy. He's the president of Kelkin Enterprises. He's going to be joining me in just a minute, but we're going to take a, a quick message from Golf Tips Magazine. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, Equipment, training aids, accessory, and apparel reviews. Golf destinations and travel tips for every budget. And so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, and don't forget to go to GolfTipsMag.com and you can subscribe either for a print version, digital version, or both. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and uh, subscribe today. Also, there's a lot of great videos and instructional articles and some product reviews as well that you'll find on the website, so go to golftipsmag.com and check it out. All right, as I mentioned, I'm going to be joined by my very special guest this evening. He's here to talk about a few different things, but particularly uh, about a new golf ball that uh, he's launched, and uh, we're going to get some details, get the skinny, as it were, on that. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Kelly uh, Paraguay. He's the president of Kelkin Enterprises, and we're going to be talking about uh, his new golf ball, the Incinerator, and uh, some other things as well. So please welcome my very special guest, Kelly Paraguay. Good evening, Kelly, and welcome. How are you doing, Ted? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Kelly? Doing pretty good, doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on your show. Always a pleasure. Glad that you uh, were able to come back and join me tonight. Um, I thought before we get into some of the specifics, I thought we would talk a little bit about um, some of the problems, and, and this sort of leads up to why you're doing what you're doing uh, with some of the products. I know you came on the last time uh, last year and talked about a few of the other products. And at that time, uh, you hadn't officially launched uh, this particular golf ball, um, but you were getting ready to, to launch it in, in the months leading up uh, to this uh, time. But um, I want to talk about really some of the issues that you've noticed, because obviously you've done instruction as well, uh, that you've noticed in the industry that's really sort of prompted you to do some of the things that you're doing. So what are some of the things that you've seen and noticed over the years, being around the golf business as I have, that really sort of spurred, uh, spurred the interest from your perspective of, okay, you know what, 
I think we can make this a little bit easier, not just from an instructional standpoint, but even in equipment. There were things that you've noticed uh, in the golf industry that people were really struggling with that give you pause to say, you know what, I'd like to do something about that, help some of the everyday golfers out that are struggling in this area or that area by doing some of the things that you're now doing. So talk about what were some of the things that really caught your eye over the years that you've really seen uh, many of our, especially our high handicap golfers, really struggle with. Okay. What the two biggest problems that I noticed that most of your amateur golfers they grip it too tight, the club, and mm-hmm. when by doing that, you basically most of the time when you do that, it shoots the ball to the right most of the time, and that's why you mm-hmm. see a lot of people when they get on the tee box, they hit it out to the right is because they're trying their best to grip it and rip it, and either that or they do a <laughs> duck hook. So And it's hard to tell how much pressure to put on there, so I invented a golf club to fix that problem. It's got little air pockets all the way through the fingers and in the palm side. And what this does, the harder you press, that air is going to push your fingers back off the grip. So I try to invent all the products that I've invented will will solve the problem. It takes the guesswork out. So... That was our first product we we come out with. It's called the Pro Air Grip Golf Glove. The mm-hmm. the next product, uh, the incinerator that we've got out now, will prevent from hooking and slicing. And that was another problem that most of the golfers were having. I'd say ninety percent of the golfers that I that I've worked with, they either hooking or slicing, they want me to get them out of it. So I say, well, I'll just come out with a golf ball that'll prevent that. I won't have to sit there. And uh, you know, constantly put it into them. You know, <laughs> if you know, see, here's the thing about it: golf is muscle memory. And when you got mm-hmm. muscle memory, it's easy to go back into old habits. Even though you got a lesson, it you'll slip right back into it. You don't realize it. So, therefore, so just invent a product that would automatically eliminate all that guesswork out because you don't want to think on the golf course. Yeah, and, and I think what happens, too, you're exactly right, uh, Kelly. What, what the other problem that I see, too, besides what you mentioned, is people don't really want to put the time in as much as they say they do. I mean, I, I've taught golf now. Right. Uh, you know, uh, this is actually my 30th year now. And, you know, I teach mainly corporate, but I get a lot of folks that have come out over the years, and, you know, they'll come for a lesson. We'll work on some things. I'll give them... I hate to use now. I used to use it before, but I don't use any more uh, homework, if you will, or drills to work on. Um, people don't like homework. It's a bad karma from school or something. I don't know. So I try to phrase it differently now. But, you know, I'll give them some drills and things to work on. And then maybe it's going to be two weeks before we get together again, depending on their schedule. Um, right. And, you know, I'll talk to them right from the beginning. I'll say, what you know, what have you been working on? You know, have you been working on some of these? And I can tell by the hesitation that they haven't gone back, you know, well, I've had some projects that we've been working on, you know, at my company and so on and so forth. So I know right away they haven't done the duties and and the tasks that I've set forth for them to work on. Um, So, you know, I I agree to what you're saying is, you know, as an instructor, ideally you'd like to be able to work through those things and have them uh, be able to go out there and, and, and get back to, you know, business. But the truth of the matter is we know that most of them are not going to, to follow that, that, you know, uh, to the letter 
Um, and, and this is why you've come out with this. So tell us a little bit about what went into the thought process of, with the incinerator golf ball. This is uniquely different. I mean, it, I, I, you obviously sent me out uh, some to, to try out, and it is very different looking um, from traditional golf balls. It certainly has uh, dimples on it, but the dimples are different. So talk about what went behind the development of this golf ball. Okay, what I've done, you got to figure out how to take the spin off the golf ball. So what I did on each of the dimple on this golf ball, I put a stem right dead in the middle. So when the wind picks up on one side of the, the dimple, stem blocks the wind from hitting the back side of that dimple. So that mm-hmm. and it takes that spin off. The good thing about this stem also, a lot of people say, well, how's it gonna hold the greens? Well, it holds the greens. Um, wherever you hit it, it most time it won't stay within a foot or two when it hits. And it's because of that stem in the middle, it's like a spike. When it hits inside that green, that spike hits that turf and it stops it. And also, when you're putting, it tracks. In fact, if you've got grains and you're worried about the grains going against it, whatever, don't worry about it. It'll go right through the break right there. It eliminates a lot of break, put that way, going to the hole. How did you come up with the technology for this? I mean, this is not something that you just say, well, I'm going to put a, a stem in the middle. There obviously was a lot of research in that. How did you come up with that? Um, was it through an R, R&D, a lot, just a lot of um, you know, research and development on your part? Was it conversations mm-hmm. that you had with other pros or what? How did you come up and, uh, enough to know to do that? Because um, that's not something you know most people, I'm sure, I mean, I see a lot of golf balls, and I'm, I'm going to exclude the, the main you know, guys like Titleist and Callaway and some of the others, uh, but this is not something that I've seen any of the other uh, non-mainstream golf companies come up with. So how did you come up with this idea to put that in there? How did you know to do that? Um, did you work with some people that you know, deal with aerodynamics that were able to, to guide or coach you in that? What was the, the uh, um, I guess, the, the research behind developing the, this uh, dimple pattern? Well, well, to be honest with you, like I get up 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, I start thinking of things. And I think about being behind a tree. If the wind's blowing, that tree blocks the wind off from you. And I said, well, this is the same principle. And I'll be honest with you, I did not know it would work. I went ahead and had it develop a prototype, and went out there and had a golf ball launcher and launched it against the leading companies in the golf industry. Out of 12 mm-hmm. golf balls, on each one of them, every one of ours went straight, and the rest of theirs pulled to the left. So I proved my theory that way. And uh, coming up to the next ball, I used the aerogel inside of it for winter weather. To see, and it had great results on it when I when I was testing it for whether it's going to hook or slice. Hmm. Now, this is a, explain a little bit about this for the listeners out there. You're, you're talking about the sort of the next evolution of this golf ball. Uh, you're talking about the gel. So describe a little bit about what you mean by that, where the gel is in the golf ball. Is it something that's in the center? Is it in, in a lining? Um, explain a little bit and about what it actually does. Okay, it's going to be called the Pro Stabilizer. And um, a lot of people say, why, well, you call it the incinerator too, whatever. But I, 
we just come out with a pro stabilizer. So it stabilizes the temperature inside the core of the golf ball. So what I've done where the dimple, dimple pattern is that you're covering, on the, on the next layer will be your aerogel. It's a special aerogel, and what this does, it insulates. It's a very, very good insulator. Uh, it, in fact, it's 98% air, very light. In fact, you can see through it. You can see your fingers if you held it. But uh, then the inner core, I put a uh, carbon black uh, <clears throat> material. It's a metallic. Also, I put a ball bearing in the middle. So what this does, I've invented a heating unit also that's going to be going with the golf balls. You can purchase them both together, and after you purchase them together, you can you can buy the golf ball separate. But uh, what it'll do, it'll heat it up to 105 degrees, and then the aerogel will take over and insulate it. Now, you probably can play four or five holes before the temperature starts dropping. Depending on how cold it is outside, it's just like mm-hmm. in your house. If you turn off your heat, the insulation takes over. But right. even even if you've got insulation, the temperature is going to start gradually dropping, depending on how cold it is outside. So what I've done is uh, I put a, on the logo, it's a, like a little pigment in the paint. So when it, uh, the temperature starts to drop, the logo will change colors for you to rotate the golf ball. But a lot of people lose 10 to 15 yards off the tee, depending on how cold it is. And this will eliminate that. Also, during the summer, it will prevent flyers. You know, a lot of people don't realize, say, well, how come I hit it over the green? It's because sometimes that, that ball gets overheated, and it'll right. cause you that overshoot, and that's what's caused it. You know, and, and what people don't understand, just to, to clarify so people understand, going back to it being cold, you know, here, obviously, you know, up in the northeast, Nat, where, you know, they get a much harsher winter, people are not outside playing golf, so it, it doesn't really uh, pertain as much to them at that particular time, certainly in the fall or early spring when it's a little bit cooler. But here in the south, you know, where we're playing golf all year round, it might get down to, you know, 50 degrees or maybe a little bit uh, cooler. And it, your ball... Uh, when it gets a little bit cool, is obviously not going to travel as far. So this allows us, and what's really interesting about this is, you know, once you've uh, connected it with the heater and heat it up to that 105 degrees, um, is now, uh, as you said, you can play, and I would suspect, again, depending on how cold it is, you might even be able to play that particular ball for maybe even more than four holes, but that's certainly what, you know, through your testing it's done. And again, that may be at different temperatures, but... um, the idea is down here in the south, that's a big problem, uh, is that the golf balls get cold, especially if they've been sitting in your trunk uh, with the golf clubs. You're out there and you're playing and it's you know maybe 50 degrees. It's a nice fall day uh, or early winter day, and you know the golf balls are a little uh, cool from sitting in the, in the car or, or what have you, uh, and they're not going very far. So this new golf ball that you're coming out with the, with the gel uh, and the heater allows you to sort of overcome some of those issues, correct? That's correct. And we tested, like I said, we tested against a dozen of the leading golf balls, and we we beat them 13 to 26 yards in 38-degree weather. That's what we tested. And also, 
And you probably say, how you heat it up if you're in a golf cart with no electricity? What I've mm-hmm. done, I've got two different ways you can do this. The golf <clears> carts <throat> now have a USB port that they can plug it into. And if they don't right. have a USB port, they can use the batteries. Right. So there, there's not an issue for charging. Uh, again, most of the golf, newer golf carts particularly do have a USB port because everybody's carrying their phone and whatnot, uh, or it also right. is available with batteries. So there's really no excuse. You, you have an option either way of being able to take this heater. And it's not a big, you know, just so that people don't understand, it's not some great big heater. It, it's actually relatively small, um, so it's not cumbersome. It's not something that they're, you know, some heavy object they're lugging around. Um, and while they're using the one that's been heat, heated, they can put another golf ball in there um, for when the first one sort of cools down, right? Yes. It's, in fact, it's about the size of the sleeve of golf balls. That's what you, It's going to be a, just a small, compact heater, and I'm going to have it attached to the dozen golf balls when you buy them. And it will heat it less than a minute to 105 degrees. Now, I can set it up a little bit higher. Uh, but I wanted, I got to test it out once we get it in. We're projected to. Right. I tried to get it where I do it at starting to fall, but because of shipping problems throughout the U.S. and overseas, mm. uh, it's going to probably look like it's around going to be December or January before I, we're going to be able to launch this. And this is, again, now, how do you come up with, I mean, obviously you explained how you've come up with the different theories and, and things and why things work the way they do. But, you know, you obviously see a lot of golfers um, and have seen a lot of golfers with various problems. You obviously come up with a lot of different solutions, as you did with the first golf ball and now with this one here. Um, is this something that you've, really started to focus on with your business over the last little while where you're, you know, rather than just coming up with a lot of gimmicky things that we see so many other companies doing, you're actually addressing specific problems that golfers are having and you're actually coming up with a solution that works. Um, yeah. Tell us about how, how did you sort of, what brought you to go down this path, I guess is what I'm looking for. Okay. Like I said, I've noticed that a lot of people are having trouble getting off the tee box when it's cold and they, you know, say, hey, I'm losing yardage. And so they, a lot of them sit there and say, well, I'm going to go buy me a driver to pay five or $600 to make up the difference in the yardage. They don't have mm-hmm. to now. With getting the golf ball, you know, I'm trying to save money for one thing. And second, I'm solving another problem they're having. And uh, speaking of that, we've got another product coming out. There's going to be some insoles. It's going to be called the Pro Air Equalizer. And what this does, it keeps you from swaying on the golf shot because a lot of people sway mm-hmm. on it. And you don't realize right. it, but if you get somebody to look at your head, your head's moving, your whole – it's hard to keep stationary. But what, it's, what it is, they're a half inch higher on the outside of your shoe. You put them in your golf shoes, and uh, they're very comfortable. You think it's a little bit awkward being a half inch higher, but it's not. And But – It'll keep persuading on the takeaway and your fall through. Because a lot of times when people shank a golf ball, swaying is what's causing that. You, you sway right. the hosel right to the ball. So we're fixing a yeah, lot and, of problems. Go ahead. 
Yeah, I was just going to say that's. It sounds like that's what you're really focusing on now is as opposed to just you know one of the one of the problems that I have and and you know I've as you have I'm sure over the years been down to the uh, you know to the golf show in Orlando the PGA merchandising show and we see a lot of products uh, and have seen a lot of products over the years and and I, I don't want to you know throw darts at somebody's inventions but we see a lot of very gimmicky things and things that really don't um, you know perform or, or do things. But you're taking a much different approach. You're you're trying to really, honestly, solve a lot of the issues that that golfers are having, and you know that that says a lot because there are, as I said, a lot of products out there. That, and that's not to say that they're not good products, but they're not something that anybody. These are products that you've talked about here so far are products that really can apply to any golfer of any level. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, you know, this has caused a lot of frustration for a lot of people. I mean, I know myself, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know, it doesn't matter what I do with my golf swing, I just can't, you know, the ball's slicing or hooking all the time. And, you know, here you are, you've come up with the incinerator that alleviates that problem. Now you've got a situation where, you know, golfers that want to play uh, or do play in, in what we would call the off-season uh, up north, um, obviously it's a regular season down here for us because we're in a nicer climate. But um, you know, a lot of golfers talk about losing distance, and you're right. You know, I would rather find something much more affordable for them to do, whether it's working on their game, uh, you know, with some less expensive lessons, um, or in this case, with with a golf ball that you, a new golf ball that you created, um, as opposed to going out and spending four or five, six hundred dollars on a new driver to get that extra distance. Uh, when it's really not necessary. And obviously you've come up with the same approach as well. As I would rather find a solution that's affordable, that's easy uh, to address and easy to solve some of the issues that many golfers are faced with than coming out with an overpriced, expensive product that is just not really going to get to the root of the, to the issue, correct? That's correct. Um, another, another product that I haven't mentioned to you, I've invented a putter grip. That you, because a lot of people use their hands, get very handsy when they putt, mm-hmm. and when they when you start getting handsy, uh, you don't have a great putting stroke, and that's why a lot of people they don't they don't they two and three putts you do a lot of three putts because of that you need to mm-hmm. use your shoulders, so this mm-hmm. this putter I've got will make you use your shoulders automatically. I try to get it where you don't go out in the golf course doing thinking. You start thinking your scores are going to suffer, and it's just because you start worrying about what am I supposed to do this, that? How come I missed that shot? Uh, how come I pulled that shot or push it? You know, a lot of things go through your mind, then you start thinking, and trust me, your scores will suffer if you start thinking. You, you do your thinking on the range, and you take that out to the golf course and just let it do it itself, muscle memory. Yeah, and and you're exactly right. You mentioned that uh, from from the get go. It really is uh, about muscle memory. I mean, a lot of people, um, you know, we talked about this on an earlier segment tonight uh, before you came on on our coach's corner panel, and really talked about how you know people need to ingrain um, you know certain things in their golf swing, and unfortunately, most people don't have the time uh, or the willingness to put that time and effort into practicing a lot of things. So 
sometimes you have to give them a little help. And if they don't have the time for whatever reason, whether their you know lives are busy and their jobs or family life is busy, um, you know, coming up with products such as you have is an alternative um, to some of the other issues that typically they would be faced with in order to improve their game. You're just giving them a helping hand um, without uh, you know having to break the bank account, and that's something I think that's important in this day and age. A lot of golfers, I'm sure, appreciate that as well. Um, are you going to, you know, you mentioned the, the glove, the, the balls, and, and obviously the uh, the uh, Pro Air putter grip as well. Uh, and uh, I know you've got probably some other things up your sleeve that you're not going to share tonight, but that that's good. We'll we'll have you back on another time. Uh, do you keep studying what's going on in the industry as far as areas and issues that people are having? Is that really what in, inspires you to come up with new and creative ways of helping golfers? Well, you know, throughout the years, all the years that I've been playing golf and, and being an instructor, uh, I really don't see a change in the the products as far as helping the person. It, it, mm-hmm. it might give you a little advantage, but it doesn't cure a problem. I mean, you go through the PGA show, you'll see what I'm talking about. It's just right. Uh, so I, I got tired of it and said, hey, I'm going to do something about it instead of complaining about it. Just go out there and fix the problem. So that's basically what I've done. And uh, like I said, I'm not taking away from anybody's products, but, uh, you know, I, I'm just going by what I'm seeing. And everybody has opinions, and I guess I'm like any, everybody else. They, you know, I try to do something about it instead of sit there complaining about it. Yeah, and that's important. I mean, you know, we want to help as instructors. We want to help, you know, students and, and other uh, golfers out there. We want them to, you know, the, the bottom line is this. If people are not enjoying their golfing experience, I mean, here we've had an opportunity. We've gone through this pandemic, and the golf industry has really, you know, pardon the pun, gotten a real shot in the arm. Uh, there's been a lot of new people come to this game uh, just by virtue of, not being able to get out and do anything else, golf was one of the very fortunate industries that really benefited, on, you know, from a from a difficult situation for many out there uh, with this pandemic. And what I want to see is a change with these uh, new golfers coming out and not falling into the same traps that the industry has done for years, where you know we just keep teaching them the same things and we're not really solving any of the problems. I mean, as you and, and I well know, you know, handicaps have barely budged for 10, 15, 20 years or more. Um, the right. handicap levels are ba- basically the same. And yet we've had all kinds of advancement in equipment. We've had all kinds of advancement in teaching technologies and, and the onslaught of, of um, not just media and, and Internet and things, but uh, t- all kinds of technology, uh, biomechanics. I mean, you name it, it's out there. And yet handicaps have barely budged. Now, it's worked very effectively at the pro level, um, but these are people that already understand the golf swing and already have uh, played at a high level. But the average person really has not seen a lot of improvement, and it's because, I hate to say it, many of the products, not all of them, many of the products out there really are not designed for the average golfer. They're really designed to help uh, the higher level, better players play better and then it's sort of watered down for the everyday folks to, you know, buy into. But it's nearly not helping them. I mean, you, you know as well as I do, 
that most of the drivers and so forth on the market, we're not playing the same drivers that the pros are playing. They're playing something entirely different, right? We're playing a watered-down, and I'm saying we as in the general public. So we're not really playing the same driver that uh, you know Tiger Woods is playing. It might say the same on there, but it's not. The technology is different. The shafts are different, so on and so forth. Um, you've approached things a little bit differently, which is impressing me because um, you've decided, okay, I could do one of two things. I could just throw some products out there um, and, and, and just say, okay, here I'm selling some golf balls or I'm selling some grip uh, golf gloves and so on and so forth. But you've actually put some thought into this and said, I want to create something that's actually going to give my you know, uh, fellow golfers um, a benefit. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'll tell you what, a lot of people are saying there listening to the show tonight, they're probably saying, well, this is probably another segment to try to sell products, you know, and it, it's sort of true, but here's the thing about it. <clears throat> Our products are money back guaranteed, 30 days. If you're not satisfied, if you if it doesn't do what I say it'll do, you can get your money back within 30 days. It's just that simple. Balls also, a lot, you go look on there now. Any golf ball you buy now, yep. they do not have a money back guarantee on them. Right. And uh, yeah, you've got it right on. So, yeah, you've got it right on the package. I mean, it's right on the box itself. 30 day money back guarantee. Nobody that I know of on the market is doing, and, and particularly in golf balls, nobody is doing that. I have not seen one golf ball manufacturer put that on their on their uh, marketing package, not one, except for yours. So you're exactly right. Yeah, so, so that's what I'm saying. You don't have nothing to lose, and you, all you got to do is nothing but the game and have peace of mind. And it makes you feel good, especially when you're hitting the ball good and you're having a good round, mm-hmm. and that's what it's all about. Just go out there and have fun. Don't go out there thinking and get frustrated. I'm trying to eliminate that the best I can, and uh, and hopefully I can I've accomplished that. Well, and, and and let me just clarify one thing as well. That's not to say that we don't want people going out and practicing and and uh, working on improving and in, in, in whatever ways they can. You're just adding to it and saying I'm going to provide some products that are going to help you tremendously in areas I know that the average golfer struggles with. That doesn't mean you just all of a sudden put the air brakes on, you don't, you never practice again, you don't work on your game. These are just products that are going to help uh, with some benefit or another, depending on which product you get, that's going to help you improve your experience while you're out there practicing and, and trying to make things a little bit better, correct? That's correct. That's correct. Everybody's going to need instruction, and you need to go out there and practice. Those touring pros go out there and practice sometimes five or six hours a day. And that's mm-hmm. all the way. And, and their equipment is, you're exactly right, their equipment is set up different. Their their uh, their loft has changed to where, you know, instead of hitting a, an eight iron, they've got the loft where it's, it's a six iron. That's why they right. need it as far as they do. And their shafts, some of their shafts are up to $1,000 each. Our shafts are not mm-hmm. that expensive, so you right. know, exactly right. <laughs> Fortunately, yeah. if we had that kind of money and, and had it where it set up like the pros, uh, you see a big difference too. But you don't have that kind of money, most people, to do that. Mm. Right, right, exactly. 
So if people are interested in, in the products that we've been talking about here, um, what's the best way? Where can they go to get more information? And where is – now, I know the one golf ball, the, the one you talked about with the gel, is not uh, quite out on market right yet, um, and hopefully that will uh, get there. But uh, the incinerator is currently available now. Um, where can they go to get it and okay. um, get more information? Okay, they can go to Pro Air Grip. That's Pro Air Grip or Kel Ken Golf. That's spelled K E L K E N Golf. A lot of people probably don't know this, but this USGA approved. So, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people, that's one of the first things they ask. It is USGA approved. So you can play at any kind of PGA sanctioned event. That's fantastic. So go to ProAirGrip.com. Uh, or Kelkin Golf uh, as as well. You can put either one in, and uh, that'll take you to the website. And they can purchase it right off the website, correct? That that is correct. That is correct. Now it's also um, is it also available? Are some of the pro shops? Uh, are you getting it into some of the pro shops yet, uh, uh, or is that or are you just strictly going to sell it online? Well, right now we're selling them online, and we got online stores like Touch of Modern. Right. Uh, we, you know, we're starting to put them on online stores, but we're going to okay. start doing the pre-orders around December. I'm, I'm anticipating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Okay. Well, I think, um, I think we've we've pretty much uh, pretty much covered any uh, everything here. Is there anything else that you want to? Uh, relate to the listeners out there just so that they have an idea if there's any other things that maybe they uh, need to know that we can share with them now uh, before I let you go? Okay, the only thing I'm telling you, we're going to have more products coming out, uh, and I think you'd be very surprised if, and you're going to save a lot of money. And I will talk about that on our next segment with you. All right, sounds good. All right, if you're interested in any of the products that we talked tonight, about the incinerator golf ball, which uh, is uh, approved by the USGA sanction and uh, is going to help reduce your hooks and slice. You can order that directly online from the website, and I'll give you that again in a moment. Uh, or if you're interested in the Pro Air golf glove as well, as uh, Kelly had talked about earlier, it's also available as well to purchase. And or the Pro Air uh, putter grip, you can also get that online as well. And the website is Pro Air Grip. Dot com. That's ProAirGrip.com. There's also a uh, great video on there that uh, talks a little bit about the golf ball as well. Uh, but all of the information is there. You can order online, and uh, they offer free shipping on any orders of $150 and above. So if you want to buy a number of items, uh, they'll offer free shipping uh, as long as your order is over $150, uh, uh, which is a good deal. So, um, well, Kelly, I want to thank you for, for coming on, and, and I know that you've got and, – and also if they want to reach out to you as well, some contact information there if you want to find out about the other golf ball uh, that you mentioned as well with the uh, the gel in it, um, you're taking pre-orders for that as well so they can reach out and, and uh, maybe uh, inquire or get some additional information about that from the same website. Um, but, Kelly, thank you for, for joining me tonight on uh, Golf Talk Live, and I will have you back again when uh, you've got some more uh, interesting products to share, and uh, I strongly urge. I've tested the golf balls myself, and uh, they do exactly what uh, Kelly says they do, uh, so they're well worth it. And um, so check them out. Go to ProAirGolf.com, uh, uh, ProAirGrip, sorry, .com. Uh, Kelly, thank you very much for joining me tonight on Golf Talk Live. Okay.
Ted, thank you so much for having me. All right. I appreciate it. You have a great evening. You too. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. All right, that was uh, Kelly Paragoy, president of uh, Kelkin Enterprises. Uh, again, the products are really good. I've tried them, and uh, as I you know, alluded to throughout uh, the segment, there are a lot of products out there um, and a lot of manufacturers, a lot of suppliers out there obviously vying for everybody's money. Uh, but Kelly uh, has come up with some really good products. The golf ball is, uh, again, does what it says. It's uh, approved by the USGA, so it's obviously gone through its paces. Uh, so you can check it out. I want to also thank uh, my earlier guests on the Coach's Corner panel, John Decker and Pete Buchanan. Thanks, guys, for always doing a great job on the Coach's Corner panel. And uh, once again, thanks to Kelly uh, Paraguay for joining me on uh, as my special guest this evening. Um, I'm going to be enjoying the Epson Tours final event, the Tour Championship, here at the LPGA International Golf Course. Uh, I believe they're playing the Reese Jones course uh, at the uh, LPGA International and I'm going to be joining that uh, through the weekend, uh, and then I'll be heading back. So be sure to join me next Tuesday. Uh, hopefully we'll have the winner of this event uh, on the Women of Golf uh, podcast with uh, Cindy Miller and I. Uh, hopefully we'll be uh, having the winner from this event uh, next week on Tuesday, and then next Thursday I'll be back with another Coach's Corner and another interesting guest uh, for my interview uh, portion as well. So hope you join me. God bless everybody, and have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.